1: mini-series. And if you're not in the know, it's Get Out of Your Head by Jenny Allen. And we are so pumped to have you here today.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. I really am honored that you invited me on. Look forward to the conversation.
2: Yes, so Casey is coming in and we like to provide our audience with growth in all forms, mental, emotional, physical health, and then of course spiritual growth. So Casey is a pastor at our church and he's gonna bring the truth to y'all
1: today. Right. So today we're going to talk a little bit about what the Bible says about anxiety and Casey, a little bit about your story with anxiety, and then just some ways our listeners can actually combat anxiety, biblically speaking. So we've had our past two interviews. It was good hearing from women from different angles, but now it's fun to bring you in to hear you talk about it too. And what does the Bible say?
2: Let's start from the beginning. Um, When did you first realize that you were struggling with anxiety?
0: Yeah, you know, interesting question for me. So um, about nine years ago, nine or 10 years ago, um, we uh, had a family member who was going through uh, some mental health issues of their own, and it was really... Um, something difficult for all the rest of us family members to just deal with. We hadn't ever dealt with it, mental illness and that close of proximity. And so it was, uh, you know, a stressful time. And I'm a, i am i know y'all talk about the Enneagram a lot. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. And so I feel like, okay, I'm going to go into, I got to be strong for my nuclear family. We had, uh, my wife was pregnant with my, our first daughter at that point. And so, like so, you know, I got to be strong for my nuclear family and strong for uh, my extended family and all that. And uh, that worked for a minute. And uh, it just kept building and building kind of the weight to where then one night I remember waking up in the middle of the night, which I never do. I'm a sound sleeper, but woke up in the middle of the night. And um, I thought I woke up because my back had locked up, like I couldn't move my back, which that was something new, too. I never had back problems. So I was like, this is weird. So I'm going to go soak in a hot bath. Um, and maybe that'll help my back feel better. So I get in the bathtub and once I'm in the bathtub, I start having an all out anxiety attack. First time ever in my life, didn't know what was happening. I just felt like I was breaking down. And I, I, at the time I wasn't, this is an anxiety attack. At the time I was like, what I, it felt like I was sliding down a deep, dark hole. Um, the way I describe it, I don't know if anyone's ever seen the movie, get out, but there's this scene in get out where he's talking to the counselor therapist woman and yeah, he falls back in his chair into deep space and it's like he's trying to yell and he can't even get a word out in his arms and a slow-mo and it, um, I couldn't get a grip on anything. So I think that scene of that movie is the perfect uh, image of how it felt for me to be sliding down that deep, dark hole of anxiety. And so I yell out to Lauren at that point. And I'm like, but she comes in and she was like the sweetest ever. Like I feel so bad for her calling her into that. Because um, I imagine it had been really scary. She had never seen me like that before, and so uh, she was just so sweet and comforting. Uh, the next morning, um, but Lauren got me a, like emergency appointment with a therapist um, that she was connected to. The, Lauren wasn't a therapist yet, but her mom was. So, got me into an emergency counseling session the next morning. I told the guy my whole story what was going on in my life. And he's like, well, yeah, this sounds normal. Like this is, it sounds like you're really dealing with some heavy stuff. And so the result of that has been some anxiety. That sounds like what you're experiencing. And when he said that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's an anxiety. I knew, I knew the word. um, And I knew about anxiety disorders. um, But I never thought that what I was feeling was anxiety. And whenever he said that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's what that is. I've been feeling this to a lesser degree my entire life and so it was this massive moment of discovery of that's what that feeling is that's anxiety i am a person who has dealt with anxiety my
1: entire life something that i love about your story casey is that you are an enneagram eight you're a male and it's super taboo to talk about feelings or especially you were just saying you had to be strong for your family and that's Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you couldn't do it yeah then you were realizing oh this is I've just been treading water and I didn't realize it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I used to have a different definition, I guess, of what strength looks like. And I thought strength meant uh, that you don't crack under pressure. Now, what I've come to realize, and scripture has been so helpful in it, um, is that strength is whenever you're totally willing to out your weakness, to to lead with your weakness, to put out there. Like, I'm really struggling right now. Um, I need help. Uh, that's really strong. Uh, it takes a really strong person to be able to admit whenever they are weak. And that's what scripture says, right? In Second Corinthians 12, probably my favorite passage in all the Bible, um, where Paul's talking about the thorn in his flesh. He says, three times I pray for God to take it away from me. And the Lord said to me, but my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul goes on to say, I will delight in weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties for when I am weak, then I am strong. Um, and so really come to uh, like, God has just revealed that and done that work in my heart that I don't have to try to be strong. If I'm feeling weak, that's great. Uh, just cry out to God in that there's great strength and, and strength that others can draw from as well.
2: So you have that moment, you meet with that therapist, he tells you you have anxiety. Do you immediately say, Okay, now what do I do? I'm gonna battle anxiety, or did you kind of have this moment where you're like, "Oh, it's anxiety." I'll just go on with my life. Like, at what point did you decide to you need to make a change, and how did you make yeah lifestyle change?
0: Yeah. So honestly, at that point, um, I not very much changed at all. I really didn't understand anxiety disorders at all, and so I. Kind of just like the anxiety dissipated over time, went back to a normal um, baseline level anxiety that I live daily basis with or used to. And so I was kind of like, whew, like made it through that. I feel like Casey again. Um, But I always felt like I was waiting for the dark cloud to come back in. I, You know, the two metaphors that always resonate with me are dark cloud or um, tide, like the tide coming in. I feel like I'm always. I was always waiting for the dark cloud to move back in, or for the tide to come back in. It's like one moment you're playing in the ocean's life is great. And next thing you know, the tide uh, has swept in, and suddenly you are like struggling to keep your head above water. It's like what happened? I was just playing. Um, and so, for the next four years uh, after that first anxiety attack, I didn't have another anxiety attack. So for the next four years, I. Um, was just kind of hanging on, hoping an anxiety attack didn't happen again. Then I remember the weekend, it was August 1st, uh, 2015. We were having my son's birthday party on Saturday night. Also at his birthday party, we were going to uh, let our family know and friends know that we were pregnant with our third child. Um, which I was just a little stressed about that. I didn't know how the family was gonna take that news at that point, and so we we're gonna do that. Then the next morning, I had to preach on Sunday morning at our Sunnyvale campus, and I at that point I wasn't preaching every Sunday. And I'm a you know I'm a uh, achiever as well. I, I also score really high as a three on the Enneagram. Like I'm a achiever. I went. Every time I preach for people to be like, wow, best sermon I've ever heard. And so I, and I, and I didn't feel great about the sermon that I had prepared for the next morning. So I was a little stressed about that. So I remember telling Lauren. Oh, oh. then the other thing, too, was after church on Sunday, one of my best friends from out of state was going to come over. And he was going to spend the afternoon and the evening with us. And Sunday afternoons are nap time. For Casey, like after church, especially after preaching, it's like from a mental health. I have to take a nap and so stressed about that. I'm going to be so tired. I'm I'm not looking forward to this. So I go to bed Saturday night, Sunday morning, wake up. I'm just stressed, anxious to the max, go to church. I'm anxious. Worship starts. And in the like, as soon as worship starts, I have my second ever anxiety attack. I'm supposed to go up on stage and preach in a few moments and so I'm just trying to like, you know, pull myself together, like make it through this, and then we'll see. Then you can kind of melt. But I could never pull myself together, but I was still going to give it a go. I didn't know what to do. So I walk up on stage um, to start preaching my message. And in that first service, when I first get up on stage, I couldn't even get a word out because I was just sobbing and uh, broken, you know. And so uh, like the most meaningful thing ever to me in my Anxiety journey, one of the most meaning thing, meaningful things ever to me in life in general is that in that moment, um, three women came up on stage and laid hands on me and uh, prayed for me there in that moment. One was my mom who uh, attends the Sunnyvale campus, which was great. Um, one was uh, this woman that was we had been in CG with for years and years in a community group with and very great friends with them. And then one was, uh, Brooke, your aunt, uh, Becky, uh, Allen. she came up there who I've known. She's like a second mom kind of to me. And she came up and prayed as well. And, you know, it was just so meaningful that those three women, uh, the way I view that now is, um, it's, it means so much to me that those three women were willing to join me in my embarrassment, you know, that they were just willing to, um, come up there and that I get emotional every time I'm talking about it. Cause it means so much to me because I just really feel like, who, um, it's up in front of hundreds of people and they love me and care for me. And it would have been so easy to just sit in their seat and hope the best for me. Uh, they moved to action and they, they put themselves out there and they joined me in my embarrassment and that meant the world. And after they, all, all of them prayed for me after they got done, they sat down, and then I started my sermon, and I started with, uh, hey, I'm having anxiety this morning. Um, it's something that I've battled really all my life. Don't worry. It's not like anything's crazy going on in my life. Um, it just kind of comes and goes, and I don't, I don't know exactly why, but I'm in the middle of it right now. And then I preached this sermon that really uh, – I changed up the whole sermon, used the same passage, but it was on – that passage, Jesus uh, bringing Lazarus back from the dead, which was so perfect because it's like, and Jesus wept. When he saw how they were upset, Jesus in his own spirit was deeply moved and greatly troubled. And I remember just, uh, I really kind of spontaneously preached on so much of that idea that, you know, I'm feeling that right now. I'm in the middle of this pain and I feel it. I feel like Jesus is right there weeping right alongside me, you know? Um, and so it turned out to be this great sermon, cried the whole way through. Uh, then we had a second service. And second service, I still was just a mess, you know, just sobbed and cried the whole way through and told them about what was going on and everything. And then I went home that day. And, and that afternoon, all the comments started flooding in, and people just let me know how profoundly that service had impacted them. There's no, I, my guess is that probably when my ministry is done, whenever that is, that that will probably single, single, be the single most um, meaningful, impactful Sunday and message that I've ever preached, probably. Uh, because it's just so real and raw. I mean, it's, usually preachers are up there preaching from a place of strength and mastery, not from a place of weakness. And I didn't, it wasn't a choice to go up there and preach from weakness. It was that I had no strength to give.
1: Well, I also like what you said about that verse, like in your weakness, he is strong. So clearly, Jesus was the one like, let's go, Casey, let's get through this sermon. Also, the thing that you prepared for, don't talk about that. We're going to talk about this today. Yeah. That's totally a God thing.
0: Oh, absolutely. There's no question. Yeah, God, no doubt, wanted to use that, I think.
2: Yes, I was there for that one. And it was definitely probably my fave out of all of yours. So I'm with you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I'll see if I can conjure up an anxiety attack to recreate that some someday. <laughs>
2: <Just laughs> like your heels together. Baron really wanted this, guys, so this is fair.
0: Yeah, right. I had, I had multiple people at first telling me, like, we thought you were joking. We thought you were doing like a drama or something. And I was like, no, no, yeah, no, not that. It's so real. Once again, uh, the next morning, like scheduled a counseling appointment because now I've had my second anxiety attack. So I sc- schedule another counseling appointment, this time with a new counselor. And uh, a big part of my motivation of like, I got to go to counseling tomorrow is because I was scheduled to preach four weeks from then again. And uh, I don't know, y'all, y'all are sporty. So you may remember Chuck Knobloch was, I believe he was the second baseman uh, for the New York Yankees and uh, like Hall of Fame gold glover career all of a sudden, like 15 years into his career, one day he he's throwing the ball from second base to first base, easy throw, and he misses. He he makes a throwing error. And from that point forward, he like could never throw from second to first base again. And so they had to change him to make him a first baseman. And I that's I, like immediately that's what came in my head. I was like, I'm Chuck Knobloch. The next time I get up to preach, I'm not going to be able to get through it because you know um, when you talk about spiritual things in the middle of like anxiety attack at least for me I am mush Um, I'm so spiritually I'm just mush and so I'm like I go up there and I start trying to talk about Jesus and God I'm gonna bawl and cry like a baby and it was cute and it was powerful the first time but if you go up there and the second time in a row, you have another anxiety attack, people are going to be like, okay, uh, let's get him some help. You know, like maybe he shouldn't be preaching right now. And my my life's passion is preaching. And so I was like, I, gotta, I got a lot of mental health work to do in the next four weeks. And I will say, whenever I got up there four weeks later, I had purposefully written a sermon that was so easy to preach and that had a lot of humor in the intro and storytelling in the intro, um, which I love to do, uh, had a lot of that just because I knew that I needed it. And it was wobbly in the beginning and I felt like I could start just ball crying, but I got through it. I got through it and was so thankful for
2: it. It sounds like your pivotal moment when you uh, decided that you needed to take action was when you saw that this was gonna impact your passion and your calling. And yeah. I'm too that, if it had translated into your family life and relationships, that's another pivotal moment for some people. But for you, it sounds like you didn't want this to inhibit you from pursuing um, your dreams and your calling
0: in that, especially as like an Enneagram eight, I didn't ever feel like myself in those moments. I was like, what is going on? And I didn't like that. I like to feel strong and dynamic and confident and aggressive And I had kind of lost all that and I wanted to get it back. So that counseling, so I went to counseling the next four weeks with that therapist and he really helped me with a few things um, that I think is important here to our conversation. So the very first day I explained to him what had happened. And then he gave me kind of this metaphor, this illustration that has since resonated with me so much and resonates with most of the people that I talk about anxiety with. He said You know, it's like your brain your your heart is uh, this distribution center. And every day it takes in hundreds of packages. And you go over with your little scanner gun when the when the packages come in and you scan it and it tells you, okay, aisle a uh, shelf three bin 206. And so you take the package and you put it on aisle a shelf three bin 206 and scan the next package and you do that. Well, every once in a while you scan a package and it says aisle X uh shelf two bin blank and it doesn't tell you so you go to shelf x and you find the shelf but you don't know which bin so you just leave it in the aisle because you don't know what to do with it and then you go back and it's not a big deal and it's just business as usual but over time what happens is you know next time package comes in for x and it's blank on the bin again you leave it it's a bigger box now it's you got two boxes one of them's kind of bigger eventually over time uh you pile up aisle X so much, it shuts down the whole distribution center. Even things that ordinarily you used to be able to process, now they are triggering you and creating unhealth. Not because that's a challenge, but because of you never dealt with that other stuff there, so you're constantly going through life triggered. Whenever you said that, I was like, yes, I think that's it. What I discovered about myself at that point is just that I had very low emotional intelligence, very low EQ. I didn't know what feelings I was feeling. Uh, Lauren helped me discover that as well. We'll say, Uh, if you struggle with anxiety, marry a therapist. If you're not already married, that's really helpful. You get lots of free counseling. That's helpful. Uh, And so she helped me to discover this as well, that I don't even know the feelings that I feel. And that had to change. I had to get more in tune with my feelings. So the big breakthrough through counseling that second time around after the second anxiety attack. uh, Previously... I thought that anxiety was just a cloud that came in or the tide that came in and it did it whenever it pleased. Yeah, I thought it was like this disease or disorder um, and that I had no control over whatsoever. Remember, oh, I didn't tell y'all. Back when I was in the bathtub that night, I told Lauren, it's happening to me. It's happening to me, referring to, you know one of my other family members had slid down the dark hole of mental illness and I just told her, it's happening to me. And so that's how I used to think about it. Anxiety is something that happened to me. But through counseling, that second go around with this therapist, I had the core realization, which was so huge. This is where my journey to healing began. It wasn't happening to me. I did it to myself. I did it to myself, which some people may be like, oh, that's really, and that's kind of shaming. condemning. You did it to yourself. No, no, no. It was actually the exact opposite. It was so freeing because what I realized in the exact moment that I did it to myself was if I did it to myself, I can also undo it with God's help in, in the power of Jesus, you know, but if I did it to myself, it also means I can undo it. Um, and that was just a massive realization. And I got, that's the moment when I got about the work of coming free from anxiety.
2: Do you think that it took counseling to make that realization that you played a role in it as far as the choi- choice? So that's what Jenny Allen refers to is, you know, take, realize that you have a choice and make that choice. Because I do feel like some people that seems too abstract that they could possibly have any control. Um, yeah.
0: yeah, you know, uh, and so that Sunday morning when I had the anxiety attack, I started my sermon saying, don't worry about me. Nothing crazy is going on in my life. All is good. This just happens sometimes. I was so oblivious. I had already told y'all the reason why it happened to me. I had my son's birthday party. We were telling our family that we were pregnant. Uh, I was preaching a sermon that I didn't like, and I'm all like, a performance-driven type person. My friend was coming in town and that stressed me out because I wasn't going to get my nap. I was just under a lot of little stressors and that's what led to it. That was the reason why. It wasn't just happening. It's because my mind was fixated on all of this stuff. Um, and so do I think I needed a counselor to come to that realization that I did it to myself? I think I would have eventually gotten there, I think, but there is no doubt I mean, I got there kind of in one session with the counselor after my second anxiety attack. I think it would have, it very possibly would have taken me years, decades to get to the place where I realized that I did it did to myself. I don't know. Maybe it would have been too late at that point. There, there's no doubt that therapy counseling has been vital to my mental health journey and how quickly I've gotten to where I am today.
1: So, what kind of things do you lean on that are biblically based? Are, are there go to verses? Do you have declarations or truths yeah. that you tell yourself? Like, what are some things that are straight from the Bible that help you personally?
0: Okay, so, you know, the first um, one is 2 Corinthians 10 5 through 6. Um, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So I will say though, that verse, uh, I didn't really claim that verse until I had practiced it and I knew it was true. You know, it was, um, so I don't want to over-spiritualize myself here. What I started doing, the first step I started doing in my road to healing was just started paying attention to when am I starting to feel anxious and so, whenever I realized that I was starting to feel anxious, I would stop and I would say, Okay, what made me feel this way? Three hours earlier, I was having like the best day of my life. I was, you know, uh, singing in the car with the windows down and like loving life. And here I am three hours later and I'm like in a low place. What happened? And I would start kind of hanseling and greteling my way, following the bread comes back to, Okay, 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 okay oh, I had this tiny little thought. And usually what it was, it was such a tiny little thought that was weird. And my mind just went, you know, carried it to each, like, each next step to where eventually it became this huge thing. And, and now it's just a dark cloud and a feeling and a mood state, but it started with a thought. So I got really good at tracing it back down to, oh, it was a thought that I thought six hours ago. That's what it, and then I would go and I would correct that thought with a better but believable thought. That's a term I got from Lauren, my wife, the counselor. So you got to correct that thought with a better, but believable thought, something that is more true. That's more likely to happen. That's not as catastrophic. And so that's how I really started the journey, but that is all about that second Corinthians 10, five through six. There are some thoughts rolling around everybody's head that should be prisoners. They should be prisoners. They should be taken captive by now, but we just allow them to roll around our head. I used to think that you just think the thoughts that you think and you, that's just what you do. You just, you just think the thoughts. (laughs) Uh, And so as a result, my mind was the wild west and uh, there was no sheriff in town. There needed to be a sheriff in town. Eventually I came to discover, okay, it's my job to capture some of these thoughts and uh, put them in jail and, uh, and rehab them and uh, give, give a better thought in its place. And so that was really powerful. Um, That, that's when my journey toward mental health really started to improve and then there was the next step which i would say is kind of summarized in philippians 4 6 through 9 do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving let your request be made known to god and the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus so that part don't be anxious about anything but it really it's the next part that was the next step for my journey verse eight finally brothers Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the peace of God will be with you. So at the beginning of my journey of freedom from anxiety, it started with capturing the negative thoughts. And for a long time, I just thought that's just what I need to do. I just need to capture the negative thoughts when I start feeling anxious. But what I came to realize is that's just playing defense. That's just playing defense. You can also play offense uh, in your mental health. Uh, And there's some tools that Scripture gives us to do that. And right here is one of them. Uh, Don't just not think about negative, pessimistic, worrisome thoughts, also think about what's true, what's honorable. What's just, what's lovely, what's commendable? Think about good things. Think about good things. Um, And so that's what I started doing. I just, uh, I was a pessimist beforehand. Thought life worked against me. Um, And those are just the thoughts that I used to think. And I stopped letting myself think those thoughts. And I started only thinking thoughts about how, uh, no, like I'm, I'm, God's with me. I'm a talented person. Got a great support system. You know, this life's gonna work for me. Um, so yeah, playing offense too, so important.
2: I really like that because sometimes people might start with the don't be anxious verse, and they're like, Okay, that's my plan. I'm just not gonna be anxious, and it's in the Bible, so check that box. And I, I believe in God and you know, it's his word, so. I like how you took the scriptures and put them in a stair-step order, like start here and
1: elevate from that. So that was really awesome. I hadn't heard that before. What are some other practical, actionable tips you would give for our listeners? So you mentioned those great scripture verses. So the cap- yes, capture the thought and then combat it with the truth. But And you mentioned therapy. Are there other things that you suggest or recommend or have heard other people try?
0: Yeah, so... Um one of the things that I just recently started was uh, my, my wife, Lauren uh, had a journaling process where every day uh, she would write in this journal. And it starts with writing five things that you are grateful for. You may have heard of this journal, five things that you're grateful for. And then 10 kind of like declarations, goals that you're going to make happen within the next 10 years. And you write them as if they've already happened. And so, um, I knew it was awesome. I just never sat down to do it because I never considered myself to really be like a visionary. I'm like, yeah, Lauren's great at coming up with things, and, um, but I'm not. And so I just never did it. But eventually I saw, she's been doing it for like two or three years. And I just saw, it's like, oh my gosh, like if I don't do it, Lauren is going to leave me in the dust. Like she is growing so much as a person, um, as a follower of Jesus, as a mother, as a wife, um, as a business owner. Like she's killing it, and so if I don't, if I don't get in the game. Uh, she's just people are going to look at her and be like, "Why is she married to him?" And so I was like, "I need, I need to do this." So uh, this past August, we went away on a staff retreat with our church that we do annually, and uh, I knew I was going to have two or three hours just to myself and with God uh, built into that. And so whenever we came to that time back in August, I was like, "I'm going to take that journal and I'm going to start it." And so I started that journal and man, that's just been so good for me. The daily habit starting the day with uh, what are the five things that you're grateful for today. And that's just been so key for me. Uh, So once again, um, you don't just have to play offense when you're feeling under attack, you can play offense today um, for 10 weeks from now, for 10 years from now, you can go ahead and start putting deposits into that account. And so, but every day writing out these five things I'm grateful for, uh, uh, it's reprogramming my mind to look for what's good. And I think so much of my anxiety journey, I can't speak for everybody else. So much of my my anxiety journey was thinking about what is bad, what could be bad, what could go wrong, what is going wrong, what that's going to mean for the future. And so, when every day you start your day with thinking of five things that, that you're grateful for that's good, I really feel like that's been instrumental in reprogramming my mind. And this is just one thing I would say to some people because I meet with a lot of people who are battling anxiety because they want freedom as well. And uh, But sometimes whenever I meet with them, I uh, leave the meeting and I'm like, they don't want to be free. Because they want to be free from the feeling of anxiety, but they don't want to let go of the worry and the thoughts that get them there. And see, you can't be free from anxiety if you are unwilling to let go of the thoughts that produced the mood state. And so, man, there's sometimes where I meet with some people and I'm like, oh, I hate it. You're suffering. I've been there. But you're not ready to be free, honey you know, like you ain't, you ain't gonna get there until you are willing to discipline your mind. And I think a big part of that breakthrough has to come to people have to have the humility to be able to say, I've done it to myself. Now, if I can say real quick, because that statement drives people nuts, it makes people mad. And there's there's mental health professionals that have received some blowback from. Now, fortunately, I have my wife, who I kind of have a a prize fighter in my corner. And so she's with me on this. But that statement of I did it to myself, people don't like that because they're like, no, you don't know. Some people, the trauma in their life and all that. And I get it. I, I, I understand what people are saying. They are saying that some people have had such trauma that how can you not have anxiety? You know, it's not their fault. They didn't do that. They didn't ask for that. And yet this was done to them and they were abused or whatever the case. And I would say, yes, yes, yes. I, when I say we did it to ourselves, I have all compassion for you. I'm not saying that anxiety is total normal response to the pain and brokenness of the world. It's totally normal. But what I always say is, uh, my response back is like, but do you think Jesus can free you from it? Like, do you want to be free of that? And, uh, and so whenever whenever I'm saying that, I'm not, I'm not saying uh, – I, I fully acknowledge a lot of people have been victimized and gone through some really traumatic situations, and their anxiety has arisen out of that, and I totally get it, and I have all the compassion in the world. I just even believe for that person who's gone through a lot of trauma that in order for them to be free of their anxiety, which I believe Jesus can free anybody from their anxiety, in order for them to be free of that anxiety, they have to be willing to say, what – this anxious feeling that I have is actually not – a result of the trauma, it is a result of how I have processed it. It's a result of how I've processed it and how I continue to think about it today. And until you change how you process it and think about that trauma, you will still experience the anxiety. And don't let that person who victimized you and abused you, don't let them to continue to have that negative effect in your life, you know? Take your life back by empowering yourself. Empowering your mind, you can do it. God can free you.
1: I like how it's not just you, it's not just you. Yeah, you got to put in the work for sure. God's not going to make your hand move across the page to journal, but you have to actively work and you've got to bring God in it. You're obviously not going to overcome something alone, especially capturing thoughts. You have however many thoughts, what is it? 31,000 thoughts a day? A lot. fun fact you mentioned writing it down journaling you're 42 percent more likely to achieve your goal just yeah. by writing it down so even if you write i have overcome anxiety or i have been, i know how to battle anxiety it, just writing that down you're 42 percent more likely to accomplish it yeah. which those are really good odds so i'll take that thank you
0: it's amazing hey can i mention one other tool that i just didn't even mention it's so simple so simple this is was really really helpful to me in the beginning uh, When I started to feel anxious, just to speak it, just to say to Lauren, for me, it was my wife. It does not have to be your spouse. I don't suppose it's great if it can be, but to speak to some trusted person, I'm feeling anxious right now. And to just say that. It's amazing how much just say that sentence will let some of the pressure out of the balloon. The problem for people in anxiety is that it we feel like if we speak it, if, if we kind of give a name to it, that now it has this power. It's more real. So much of our anxiety is because we're trying to hold on and not lose control. Uh, and so we're like, no, 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 I'm going to fight this. But it's like if you just you know, let, unclench the fist and just say I'm feeling anxious to someone that you know loves you, um, I think that can be a really, really powerful first step for a lot of people in coming free from it.
2: That's awesome. So I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here to wrap things up so you can have some think time if you need it, but do you mind closing us out with a prayer, a prayer for any of our listeners that are battling anxiety, or maybe we have listeners who have a loved one battling anxiety. So take as much time as you need, but could you close us out with a prayer?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would be honored to pray for your your audience and all the rest of us. <laughs>
2: yes, everybody.
0: <laughs> Let's do that. I'm ready. Right. Uh, Lord, I just pray for um, anyone that is hearing this podcast episode today, whatever state they find themselves in, God. And Lord, I pray that some of the truths that we have talked about from your word and scripture would really resonate with their heart. And God, really more than anything, I think my desire would be for them to feel um, that presence of Jesus coming into their space and entering into their pain and seeing their um, distress and their inner turmoil and just knowing that Jesus is right there along there with them, feeling it with them. And, and weeping when they weep, feeling the pain that they feel. And so I, I just pray that they would, for everyone listening, they would sense Jesus right there with them, that he is in the battle and in the struggle with them. And um, God, to pray that um, you would bring breakthrough for your people. Lord, I, I believe that a lot of this is spiritual battle and that the enemy has his hands all over this. We pray that you would break those chains. We pray against Satan and his demons and all the spiritual darkness that they carry in our lives. And Lord, I I pray for your freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You have come to set the captives free. Lord, would you do it in your people? Would you give everyone listening a vision of the freedom that they can have in you. God, would you help them to be able to see it, Lord, that they can be free. They can be free. They got to take some steps, draw closer to you, but they can be free. Lord, would you do it in us? We, we need your help every step of the way. Lord, we are so weak and frail as humans, God, but you are the God who is all-powerful, almighty, and strength, and wonder. Lord, would you bring that? Would you bring that and meet us in our weakness and be our strength? but we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Some of y'all need to like hit rewind a couple and listen to it again. <laughs> and then uh, tomorrow uh-huh. listen to it again <laughs> and maybe just also clip it and save it to your phone so you can hear it. Yeah. It's my new ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Casey, thank you so much for coming on the show. Very insightful, practical, makes sense. I love it. Thank you so much.
2: We definitely appreciate your vulnerability and putting it all out there for others going through similar battles.
0: Absolutely. What an honor. What an honor. Thank you so much for letting me uh, talk on it. It's been a great time.
1: We help busy Christian women get the growth they want by giving them the tools they need in order to have happier, healthier lives.
2: We love providing our Christian-based personal growth podcast to our listeners at no cost. If you are enjoying the content, please consider supporting our mission by donating to our Patreon. We're a small
1: team, creating the show for our community by researching, recording, and producing the episodes ourselves. Any amount is greatly appreciated. Your support will help offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you can receive exclusive access. For more details on specific membership tiers, visit our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com forward slash gritty. We've included the link in the show notes.